Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige DeMacos, Jake Arian, Jamie Eisner, and we've got some great fantasy-related topics to get into. I know that everybody is starving for sports content, so we are here to deliver. We've got all the fantasy football-related content that you need. You should check out everything Jamie is writing on thedraftnetwork.com and a little teaser that his positional rankings will be starting next week, Tuesday, June 23rd. So you're definitely going to want to take a look at all of that as you prepare for your fantasy football season. I think it's safe to say this year, more than ever before, we're probably going to have to put more effort into preparing for the fantasy season. We've talked about it on the last couple of podcasts. With everything that's going on in the country, your bench is going to be more important than ever before. Um, just your preparation overall. You're not going to be able to rely on maybe some of the things that you relied on in the past. So take some time. Everyone's got a little extra time right now because most people are chilling at home, uh, quarantining, or at least spending a significant amount of their time at home. So take some time and dive into the fantasy football content Jamie's been putting together. All right. I've spent too much time talking about how great Jamie is. So we're going to start talking about Michael Thomas and whether or not he is going too high in fantasy drafts. So He's going at three right now, right? So Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Michael Thomas. Jake, you have had Michael Thomas on a roster before. He's obviously coming off an unbelievable season. Is there any concern with Drew Brees regressing late last year and then coming into this year that the expectations and more so him being coming off the board at three is just too high? It is just too high. I have concerns on Breeze regressing. I was really high on Michael Thomas, a little higher than most people two years ago. Yeah. Not last year, the year before, because you were going to get serious value there. I kind of saw this coming. He's not a really – I mean, he's an, he can be explosive. He can be an all-around guy. But with Drew's arm strength regression, it was never that strong in the first place, but it's definitely come back some. I think everything he's going to have is within 15 yards of line of scrimmage. He'll get that little fade where he beats man-to-man coverage occasionally. But I think everybody's going to load the line of scrimmage and load a 15-yard box against that. I think they're going to be defended differently this year. I think his ceiling was last year. He broke the NFL record for the all-time catches. I still think he has over 100 catches, um, over 1,000 yards. He's still a superstar. But three, three is way too high for me. I mean, I just there, – there's some serious backs behind Saquon and, and, and run CMC. I, I just – I don't know. I, I, I think they're going to be defended differently. And right now – if you take him away, I, I, why is he not more double covered? Because he can still beat these little five-yard outs and stuff. But I don't know. That's way too high for me. Yeah, it's high for me too, which is what the, the reason why I ended up writing this article. 
I'm just uncomfortable with people paying full price for what you got last year. Like you're not going to get last year's numbers. And you know, if you go onto the article on the draftnetwork.com, you can see how I kind of break it down and where I get to stat wise. And uh, but I, I look at his 2018 season as probably the best comp for what you could reasonably expect this year. And even that year, that's 125 catch, 1400 yard, nine touchdown season, which is phenomenal. He was the wide receiver three that year, even with those stats. So there's just, and he was taken at that point right around pick 10 or 11 in fantasy drafts the following year. I'm fine with him at pick five, um, especially given Dalvin Cook's holdout right now. But to me, there are, excluding Dalvin Cook from the equation right now, just because there's there's some uncertainty there. I think there are four truly elite fantasy running backs right now. And I cannot pass on any of those four guys. And that's Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and Alvin Kamara, who I expect major positive touchdown regression from. And I've written about that all off season uh, for both us and for Sports Illustrated all off season about what, what where I think uh, Kamara is going to be next year. I cannot allow one of those four players to get by me to take a wide receiver when the wide receiver class is extremely deep. Um, you'll see as my rankings roll out and then for TDM premium members, my full projections roll out. I don't have a lot of space between Michael Thomas and let's say Devontae Adams. Um, and then if the upside of if you get 16 games of Tyreek Hill, I think those are all very close 300 plus fantasy point guys there. So I like Thomas. He's my wide receiver one, but I can't take him as high as he's going right now. And I mean, I've seen drafts where he's going number one or number two overall. And to do that, you have to tell me he's he's going to replicate his numbers exactly his record setting numbers from last year on the dot for me to take him in the top three. Which it's safe to say that's not going to happen. Like it's far more probable that he's going to be at a number less than what he put up last year than it is that he puts up the same numbers. And even if he puts up those 2018 numbers that Jamie just said, wide receiver three, if you're taking him at three, you better be damn sure he's going to be the number one overall wide receiver. And also the difference, as Jamie mentioned, I think the reason we're talking about this and, and the reason you have this article is because there's so much wide receiver depth this year. And there's a lot of, there's a lot to like there. Whereas if you miss out on one of those four running backs, the drop-off is usually pretty significant and you better be like taking a wide receiver at one or two, man, that's, I, I, that's not a strategy I would be going into the draft with. Jamie said he would feel comfortable taking Michael Thomas at five, Jake. What number is in your mind right now with Dalvin Cook and everything else? If you're drafting today, what number do you feel comfortable taking him at? It depends on the league format. Is it half-point PPR or full-point PPR? Uh, I'm assuming I full PPR. Full, I could probably go five or six, depending on Dalvin Cook. Uh, whose numbers I think will also be down because I don't think he's going to get the quite the workload for the first 10 weeks, whether his holdout's over or not. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, none of them are going to put up the production, I don't think, of Michael Thomas. So you're probably mm -hmm. cool right there at five or six, depending on Cook. But, I mean, a couple things come to mind comp-wise. I mean, if you're taking him at three, you're looking at Antonio Brown in his prime, what, three, four, five years ago, when he's just wide receiver one, bar none every year. Yep. And then he broke Marvin Harrison's record. I'd love to see the comparison of Marvin Harrison on that three-year stretch of 18, 19, 20 for Michael Thomas and what Marvin Harrison did with Peyton Manning in his prime when that offense was just rolling with Edger and James and Reggie Wayne had gotten in the mix. Um, they have a few more weapons than they've had too. So I think that's going to take away. Drew doesn't have to force it to Michael Thomas. 
I, yeah, I mean, it'd be hard to pass him up at five or six when you're sitting there, depending on what's going on with Dalvin Cook. I mean, I can't throw anybody else in the equation that I think is going to put up, but especially if we're talking full point PPR, I can't, I can't put anybody above him to get inside the top five. I think it's a really interesting discussion to have based off of what Jamie said earlier, which is you've got Alvin Kamara coming back this season who Jamie has having a, a bounce back almost year with, with especially with this touch touchdown progression. But if you have Kamara or Thomas and they're both sitting there, who do you feel more comfortable taking Jamie? I'm taking Kamara, and I know that's going to be a, a controversial topic for a lot. Uh, I've written extensively about this for a reason. Um, if you look at Kamara, touchdowns are very fluky, and they're not necessarily an indication of talent. And if you look at just the touchdowns per touch that Kamara has his entire career, is a, last year is a complete outlier. That's going to bounce back this year. He's going to get you 80, I mean, he's going to get 80, exactly 81 receptions every year of his career, which is remarkable. It's like the Chris Davis of baseball type numbers there. Uh, he's going to be a, a tremendous asset this year. Remember, he was banged up at times last year. Oh, and by the way, he was even more banged up than we thought because that report came out that how injured and how hurt he was all year. Uh, to me, I, again, I like Michael Thomas, but I think sometimes the perception of safety gets talked about and get pushes these guys up the board. And yes, Michael Thomas doesn't miss time due to injury. But to me, I can't miss out on the upside of those top four backs because if you look if you look at the other running backs that you're going to be taking in that spot uh, or behind him, you look at the, you know, the Derrick Henry's and the Joe Mixon's and the and the Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, they're good, but they all have some concerns. Some of them don't catch enough passes. Some of them have to split some time with other backs. Some of them are coming off injury. Some of them are young and we need to see them do it again. To me, there are four backs that establish themselves as the true class of fantasy circles. And I just cannot pass on any one of them, even if Thomas is my number one receiver, because I, you know, to me, I don't see much of a difference in my projections between, like I said, Thomas and Adams. And if you project 16 games for Tyree kill, he's in that equation as well as the clear third. But to me, I just, I, He's my wide receiver one, but I cannot pass on the top back for him. Well said. I mean, look, if you're talking full point PPR, which we just said, Kamara's going to get 80 catches. There's games where he has 10 catches. That's the same as Michael Thomas. Oh, by the way, he's getting 15 carries. Yeah. At least, right? I mean, you're, you're double on the workload. I, I, you have to take Kamara over Thomas. I think it's I think it's fun to to talk about it since they're obviously both on the same team, right? So you're given you're giving yourself that opportunity. And I think a lot of people, specifically people that are not maybe paying as close attention, are definitely going to come in and go, Well, obviously Michael Thomas, because he's coming off of what he did last year and Kamara's coming off of what he did last year. So I did want to bring that up because I kinda of had a feeling you guys would both go that way. Moral of the story, don't be that guy. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't judge everything That's exactly off last right. year and do no homework. That's what we're saying. That's exactly right. Come in, read the, r- r- listen to the podcast, read the articles, do the prep, uh, and and get ready for uh, <laughs> I think a roller coaster of a fantasy football season. All right, DK Metcalf, a guy that uh, listen that that photo that made the internet go absolutely nuts. Obviously, everyone was excited about DK and what he could do. Drops a little bit in the overall draft. Goes to Seattle, has has a has a good season last year. A lot of excitement about DK. But as Jake, I feel like you're always the one who kind of like walks it back. Because you're like, he's never, he can't run all the, the whole route tree. He's not going to do, he, he's not going to be a, a number one, right? And, and I think that's what people 
kind of sort of think might happen. So what do you when you look at his overall fantasy value coming into the season, what's your what's your expectations for DK Metcalf? Very similar to last year. I think his whole career will be very similar to last year. He's got to have Tyler Lockett healthy for the whole time. Because if he doesn't, he's not a number one. He, he's there's a reason he dropped in the draft, right? He's he's when's the last time you saw one of these monster human being receivers be the best guy in the league, be a true number one. Yeah. David Boston, maybe, and we're going way back. Uh, I don't think he can. There's that's the reason he dropped in the draft. He's a little stiff. He only runs a couple routes. Now he runs those very well, catches a lot of 50 50 balls. He's got to have other guys on the field to take away that coverage. Um, so if Tyler Lockett's healthy, I think maybe a 10% increase, but I think what you saw last year is what you're going to get a lot, which tells me the same thing I just said. Don't be that guy. Don't base everything off last year and think you're going to have this monster projection because he looks great with his shirt off. That doesn't, it doesn't equate to catches and touchdowns. He was going to have some because Russell Wilson's freaking awesome and he's going to throw it up to him. But I, I don't know that there's a huge progression to me uh, for what he's going to put out there. Could not agree more. Uh, and, and I took a deep dive into numbers. And, and for just for our uh, TDN Fantasy Podcast listeners, I'll, I'll give you a little sneak peek, uh, peek of where I have Metcalf ranked. He's my wide receiver 35 uh, right now. And he's going as a wide receiver 21 in drafts. So that kind of gives you an idea of where I have him. I think he's going to put up similar, uh, but maybe slightly less numbers than he did his rookie year. And by the way, that's okay. Uh, I think sometimes we always expect players, and I've, I've talked, for those of you that, the few crossover people that listen to the, the hockey show that I do, you know, I talk about nonlinear progression with young players in sports. You, it's not always just, okay, you have a rookie player, and then next year he's going to be 15% better, and then the third year is going to be 20% better, and the fourth. It doesn't always work like that. It, it is a up-and-down graph. And to me, given Metcalf's game and the way that the limited amount of times the, the Seahawks throw the ball, I mean, Russell Wilson's not going to throw the ball more than around 510, 520 times in a year, is going to limit what his statistical output's going to be. And, you know, he was a 61% catch rate last year. I don't think he's getting 100 targets again. Uh, I think the addition of Greg Olson, Will Disley being a little healthier, is going to take away some of those targets. I think he's going to be up around in the 90s, but. I don't think he's going to be up at 100 or over that again. So he's not going to be able to produce the type of numbers that he did last year. still think he'll be good. He'll be a good wide receiver three for you. He'll have some success. But uh, I think there's this – and you're going to see that theme with me when we talk about some other young wide receivers going into their second year of there's always just their assumption. And sometimes it happens, but there's always the assumption you're going to take a massive leap statistically where sometimes just being able to replicate what you did as a rookie when you become the guy and the focus in year two – is progression enough, even if it doesn't look like that in fantasy football points. So uh, I I like Metcalf as a wide receiver three, but I'm obviously not going to have any shares of him if he's going around the top 20 wide receivers right now. It's a pretty big uh, discrepancy there. 21 to 35. That's a, that's, that's, those are the types of things you guys got to pay attention to. I cause... love when the numbers back me up. I was waiting for <laughs> yeah. Damien to go. I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> he didn't come in hot with any disagreements, uh, but we want to look at the the betting props right now that are available on DK Metcalf. So receptions coming in at 62.5, 62 and a half, the over minus 120, under minus 120. Uh, Jamie, what do you feel comfortable with here on, on DK's uh, reception total? Yeah, I, I took the under there. Uh, I have him getting, I have him down around 55 catches on 90 targets, which again is not, 
which is basically a similar pace to what he had last year. I just, I don't think he, he again, he led all rookies with a hundred targets last season. I just don't think he's yeah. going to get that. Um, he had some success in the postseason, and I included his postseason success in all of my projections. I didn't pretend that that, that didn't exist. And I just, it, it, to me, this, this comes down to, if, if you're making the decision in fantasy circles, is how many targets do you think he gets in this offense? If you think he's going to get 120 targets out of nowhere, sure, he's worth the top 20 wide receiver price. I just don't think he's even going to match the triple digits he got last season. I think the biggest thing you said, Jamie, was what they want to run on offense. This defense is still not very good. As great as Russell Wilson is, they still want to have a ball control, run the ball offense, and they have healthier options. Now, if he becomes the one out of necessity, maybe you're looking over that. I think that – I mean, that's a really that's a really close number. Um, yeah. They got a tough schedule. I'm going to go slightly over because I think they're going to have to throw it more. I think what you saw at the end of the year when they're making that playoff run and the close to the division run was putting it on Russell's shoulders and they had to throw it that much. Uh, Because the defense couldn't stop anybody. If that's the case, I see him barely getting over. But that's a really close number. I'd stay away from that. Yeah, that's a that's a stay away. Or if you feel real comfortable about one way or the other, I guess go with it. But Jamie's going under, uh, and Jake's suggesting to stay away. Uh, Receiving yards, eight hundred seventy-five point five. Over under both at coming in at minus one twenty. Jamie, I'll let you take this one again first. Where do you have him projected out for receiving yards? So I have him right around that line. I have him at 883. Um, so really okay. close to that line. So that's probably a stay away for me. Um, you know, look, he, he puts up his, his yards per target is, is pretty high just because of the way they use him in that offense. But uh, like I said, I think he's going to have a pretty decent season. I, I have him down for uh, get over a 16 game stretch, about 177 PPR fantasy points. So he's going to be valuable to you. And, and as you'll see in my rankings, uh, there are a ton of players in this like wide receiver three range that are all kind of bunched together. But um, if, if I had to lean one way, I would say lean toward the over because I feel like I've been pretty conservative in my statistical estimates for Metcalf. So if even I'm a little bit over the total, if I had to pick a side, I would take the over. I'd lean slightly towards the over as well. I mean, a lot of his catches are big catches. They're down the field. Russell's going to take his shots. If they hit a couple of those, he's going to have a couple of those games where he has four catches for 120 and two touchdowns. Uh, so I, if I had to lean one way or the other, I'd, I'd still take I'd take the over, but I wouldn't touch any of this stuff with this offense. You don't know what the hell you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, so much of what they do is breakdowns and Russell just making magic happen. Now they, they – and the other thing I'll say – that I maybe like the over. No, Russell Wilson maybe throws the best deep ball in the history of football. I've said he throws the best deep ball in football the last couple of years. He might be the best ever throwing yeah. the deep ball with touch uh, over the top. I've never seen anybody throw it so high and turn over and just drop in, a, in the bucket uh, as well as he does. That alone, when you're that big and you catch a lot of 50-50 balls and you can get some separation, could lean to you know some big, big yardage games. So I'd have to lean towards the over on that. Yeah, and one thing to keep in mind with Metcalf as well is is he got almost twenty percent of Russell Wilson's targets last year. Keep in mind this with with no healthy tight ends for half the season with no healthy running backs. Um, it, I just there, there's again I don't think Greg Olson's going to come in and be a you know a ninety target guy or anything like that. But they're going to steal some targets away from some of these guys, and I just I did, that's where it goes back to of you know, even again even to even a twenty percent target share of what Russell Wilson's throwing is not that high. I mean, that's a hundred, it's about a hundred, it's a hundred targets. It's 20%. I, I don't see Russell Wilson throwing for 550 times or plus this year. I think if he gets over 515, I think that that would be a surprise to me. 
Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. You forget how many injuries there were to this offense, uh, especially down the stretch there, where he was really one of the only points of this offense because there were so many injuries around. So I think just taking a little, like you said, it's not like he's taking a regression. He's probably just going to end up doing what he did last year. Um, and I like the the points you bring up, James, for, for DK Metcalf. I'll say the one thing I think he could be better than last year is his yards per catch. You're talking about a, a high running team, a great deep ball thrower. They do a lot of play action. I can see, I can see, because he only runs three routes really well, and yeah. two of those are going deep. I can see maybe taking a few more deep shots. I can see him up in that 18, 19, 20 yards per catch, uh, and using him almost primarily in that role. So maybe maybe that jumps up. That's why I maybe like the over on the yards. I don't think there's a ton of catches that way, but I will say that too. Okay. All right, let's move on to David Johnson uh, and his potential fantasy value. He was part of the most talked about trade that I can remember uh, in quite some time. We're not going to get into that trade because we've uh, spent a significant amount of time making fun of it already. Uh, but it is worth just mentioning because I think I'm just going to mention it every single time just as a reminder to Texans fans of how stupid what they're currently doing is. Uh, okay, potential fantasy value for, for David Johnson. I think this is interesting to me, Jake, because obviously we saw the best version of David Johnson in Arizona, right? And we haven't early. seen early, correct. But we haven't seen that version of David Johnson again since since being in Bruce Arians' offense. So when you see him transitioning to this offense, right, playing in Houston, playing with Watson, playing behind a, a poor offensive line um, with what I would call mediocre wide receiver options, right? They're kind of have a bunch of twos across the board. Um, what's the, what's the trajectory or how do you see him fitting into this offense this year? Because I think people see the name and they associate him with what he used to be able to do, but he's not in that offense and he hasn't been able to do that in quite some time. It's such a crapshoot. I don't like the receiver options. None of those guys stay healthy for 16 games. So now you yep. got you know other receivers. The offensive line's not very good. All of that, I think, actually plays into David Johnson's hands when we're talking about fantasy. Because one thing Deshaun Watson wants to do is stay healthy. I think there is a concerted effort to keep him healthy, to take a lot less hits than he took last year, a lot less sacks. What does that mean? Dumping it off to a running back that catches it phenomenally well. And in space, he is great. I think you're going to get a little bit more motivated, David Johnson. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't after being traded, being embarrassed. Uh, he wants to be the superstar that he was starting to be and never quite got there. He had a one superstar year, but didn't back that up. Uh, I think his catch numbers, if we're talking full point PPR, will be high, will be really high. They have limited receiver options. You can split him out wide. You can put him and Duke Johnson on the field at the same time and split both of them out, put one of them in motion. You can do all kinds of different stuff. I think all of that, but especially the dump-offs, when Deshaun Watson finally maturing enough to say, just get it out of my hands. Get it to him in space. I'm not taking this hit. Uh, I'll make one guy miss, and then I'll dump it off. Um, or running him out of the backfield with matchups. I don't know what his rushing numbers are going to be like. He's a guy I might take a flyer on the right value if everybody in my league's forgetting that he's there and exists. Yeah. Um, but it's really more just taking the flyer on the catches as maybe a flex option. I, I, I just think it's way too risky. He just he didn't. We didn't want to play football the last couple of years. And you thought he was going to be motivated last year with the new coach and the new offense and all that, and he wasn't. 
Uh, he didn't look that good when he was in there, but he caught a lot of balls and he caught a bunch of mm-hmm. touchdowns because he's a matchup nightmare. He's a receiving freak uh, at that size. I love him in that aspect. Yeah. But I don't know what we're getting from this offense, this offensive line, these receivers, this defense sucks. And I don't know how healthy or motivated he is. I think you're going to get more motivated, David Johnson, but I don't know. Like I said, the right price, I take a flyer on him as a great flex option on my bench. A lot of ifs there, right? A lot of ifs, a lot of maybe, not a mud well at this, right? So Jamie, when when Jake brings up value, where is your comfortability? Like what is that value? What position, what number, what are you looking at where you're going, okay, there's high upside here with David Johnson if all the ifs fall in the positive category. So I haven't finished my RB projections yet. That that's my last of this equation that's gonna come out over the next couple of weeks. But you know, in the article I wrote, I, I labeled him as a flex play, like right around where, where Jake was talking about. I tried to kind of look at what the best reasonable case scenario would be. Um, you know, this is a guy that what not too long ago was going top five in fantasy drafts. And you know, right now he's coming off the board uh, as the RB twenty. So it became very, very interesting. Um so I I, I took a look at this and I thought because this offense is going to be so different and because there's another pass catching running back that's already there in Duke Johnson, it creates some interesting scenarios there of who is going to be on the field when and how often is Sean Watson going to use them because they have not thrown the ball to running backs a lot in Houston. I mean, it's just not been a big part of their offense. They're going to have to this year, given the personnel that's on this team, minus DeAndre Hopkins, you know, who knows how healthy Will Fuller is going to be for the full season, probably not for a full season. And you're having David Johnson and Duke Johnson, you're going to have to use these backs more but you know i, I kind of looked at him getting you know what it would look like if he got about 17 or 18 touches a game and it kind of his yardage total to me came out to about a little over 1200 combined uh it, rushing and receiving maybe 40 catches eight touchdowns that's his best case scenario and at best case scenario i got him at would have ranked him as the rb 18 last year um i don't think we're getting best case scenario and that's again assuming Everything hits. He plays 16 games, all that fun stuff. I'm not sure he's going to get to that level. I'm not sure he's going to play all 16 games. Uh, to me, there's just too much risk there for me to feel comfortable him with him as my running back too. Uh, as a flex, as an upside play, I think he's absolutely worth a shot in PPR formats. But um, again, he's another guy that's just going a little bit too high. And I, I understand why. There's an argument to be made for him at RB20. I just think you're buying at best case scenario and you're buying at his name value. And to me, I just think that's way too risky of a play because I think there, there's a there's a path where this becomes disastrous, but there's also a path where you say at week six last year, despite all of the concerns we we aired all off season, he was the number five running back until he got hurt. So I, I get why I get the upside play here, but I also just I, I can't feel comfortable with leaving the draft with him as my number two running back. A lot of ifs. I will say this too, Paige. When you trade DeAndre Hopkins for a second round pick and David Johnson, Duke Johnson's not anything but an afterthought at this point. Yeah. David Johnson is the guy. And anytime you are the guy, as long as you can stay healthy, I don't mind him in RB 20. He's getting that range where I'm talking about maybe RB two flex. And I can actually see him playing in the slot. If they have receiver, you know, depth problems. Like you Which literally they will, because those guys will not play all 16 games. So if you go three wide with a tight end and him in the backfield and shotgun, which he's phenomenal at, and you motion him out, you cover him with a safety or a linebacker, and is Deshaun Watson going right there if it's man-to-man? I just see I see a lot more than 40 catches when I'm, you know, Jamie's the numbers guy, so it makes a lot of sense when you break it down, but I'm visualizing a lot more catches because I'm visualizing him being the, the, the guy. They're going to give him 
every opportunity and probably five more opportunities to be the guy when you trade away the best player in franchise history and get back <laughs> David Johnson. You're expecting old David Johnson. They're going to give him every chance to do that. So I, I, I could do RB20 at, at that point. For me, is value, value, value. I'd love him five or six slots lower than that as my number one flex guy. I just think there's going to be a bunch of catches in his future in Houston. And they're not very good, I, guys. Like their defense, Yeah, that's the other part. Their defense is bad. They're going to throw it a ton because they're going to be down. He's going to be on the field. So to me, I mean, he could be a, at least five catches a game, if not more than that. Yeah, I, I would assume, like you, Jake, that they're going to want to feature him a lot because of the amount of conversation that there was around this trade. If you traded that, if you traded Hopkins and you're going to not make him the feature back, man, you're going to look like a, even more stupid of an organization. So I, after I said all that, that brings in all the ifs we just talked about. Of course. Of course, all those motivation. All, they're going to make that concerted effort to be make him the guy. Now we go, if he's healthy, if, 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 if. That's a lot of ifs, man. You know what Arizona's not saying? Anything, any ifs, ifs. With, with Hopkins. <laughs> there's no ifs yeah. going on in Arizona. No. no, there's no ifs going on in Arizona. That trade continues to be absolutely perplexing. Uh, but we did get some breaking news, guys, while we've been sitting on the podcast. It's it's less to do with like a specific uh, player or whatever, but it is fun football news. And that is that HBO has officially decided that the L.A. Chargers are going to be the team that we watch on Hard Knocks this offseason. Uh, I think that collectively pleases this group of people, because if there's any team that all of us really don't have a rooting interest in, but all somehow managed to love and be aggravated by it's the LA chargers. So I think it's, there's, this is exciting. I'm excited about it. Cause I'm, I'm excited to watch anything related to football, frankly, at this point. Look, I love Anthony Lynn. I love him as, as a man, as a coach, just love him, but he's going to be boring because he's smart, right? He's not going to give you anything on hard knocks. He's not a yeller and screamer. He's a former player. He relates to his players extremely well. That part's going to be pretty boring. Tyrod Taylor, quiet, professional, great locker room guy, probably going to be pretty boring. Herbert doesn't talk a lot. It's not going to be Josh Rosen on hard knocks, right? It's Joey Bosa. The, Ram the Rams are also going to be a part of this, just to mention. So it's going to be an L.A. summer. Basically, we're going to spend an entire summer in L.A. So basically, HBO didn't want to travel. Their cruise. Correct. Um, Correct. They're opening a new stadium, which is badass. It'll be yep. really interesting to me. The here's the, the what would be interesting to watch: the dynamic between the Rams and Stan Kroenke owning the stadium and the facilities, and the Chargers renting, and, yeah. and how that's perceived. The Chargers are much better on paper. There's not really a battle for LA. It's the Rams, but the Chargers, if they get hot and they can live up to some of this potential we've talked about could really steal a lot of the thunder in LA because people are fickle and they don't really care. They want, they want whichever's the winner to me. If the chargers are a lot better than the Rams in the Rams stadium, the Kroenke owns, that's a cool dynamic to pay attention to. And that could be good TV on hard knocks. We won't know that that early cause it's all preseason stuff for hard knocks, but uh, the Rams have more interesting characters, I think than the, than the chargers do. Yeah. And as we, we've talked about this on the, sh on the show in the past, the, the low key, MVP of all of these hard knock shows for entertainment purposes is it starts with the head coach. 
the personality of the head coach tends to take on the personality of the show as a whole. And that's, and that's been it for entire. If you, those who sat through the Jeff Fisher hard knocks years, know it can be a drag uh, at certain times. So uh, it, it is interesting to see having the Rams component. Cause I think just in general, Sean McVay is a more compelling character. Um, but you know, as Jake said, Anthony Lynn's a fantastic coach, but being fantastic at your job and being a fantastic strategist doesn't necessarily come. He wants it that way. Yeah. He would love McVeigh to be the poster boy of the show. Yeah. And Anthony right under the radar going, point. I'm good. Let's get me out of this shit. I'm excited for it. I just, I worry that there's, there's a limited number of like true personalities. Uh, again, I'm going to, of course I'm going to watch, like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm not going to watch, but, uh, a lot of what though, a lot of these peak shows, and, and we'll see because there's always players that come out here and there, but usually the head coach first and then sometimes the quarterback second is what really kind of gets the show rolling in terms of a personality standpoint or or a big wide receiver. I don't like who, – who's going to be that? Like uh, I, don't, I don't – that's not – Keen Allen doesn't do that. Cooper Cup here's, here's do what that. I see, Woods, like, here's, here's what I want to see. Who's the worst character ever on Hard Knocks? Oof. Jared Goff. Jared Goff. I bet His rookie year hard knocks. Yes. To he be couldn't fair, say the play in the huddle. But to be We're fair, watch it he, again. he did give us the great moment of not knowing which direction the sun came the sun, out. Thank you. I was like, I want to know if he can answer that question now. Like, they, somebody has to force him to ask that, to answer that question in the middle of a media scrum. I will drive my ass to LA to be You're the, the person to guy, do it. Man. Everything, everything revolves around them. Uh, I want to see yeah. the progression. I want to see how different yeah. he is as a leader now compared to his rookie year. To me, that's that's going to be interesting TV too, how he handles the huddle, how he handles walking around the locker room. He's grown a lot. We're talking four years later. But he might be the worst depicted guy in the history of hard knocks. And I don't know that it was de- a depiction. I think it was reality. He was yeah. bad. Yeah. He couldn't say a play in the huddle. But that's what these guys come up. He'd never done it before. Junior high, high school, college, it's all this like, we're looking at the coach. They're calling the play. I've never called a play in the huddle. I've never been under center. That's a that's a big progression when you're talking about a guy that's you know, Sean McVay comes from a West Coast ish thing. The terminology is pretty long, but that was still really bad, man. That one that's interesting to me too. Well, also along those same lines is and again we'll see how much we actually get of it. But what Herbert looks like under center. I mean, he has very little to none, no experience with at Oregon at that. He and and Anthony Lynn has talked about the slow progression that they're going to work him up into learning that system, but kind of seeing how how a young quarterback gets that. It, it's it's so interesting because we talk about this all the time, and I still think it gets overlooked in a lot of from casual fans about differences in system, and not just differences in the talent level in college to the NFL, which I think everybody at this point is pretty well aware of, kind of the the, the massive differences there. But the difference in what you're asked to do before the before you ever take a snap on a play is so vastly different for the, almost everybody coming out of college now because they're, they're really running two different games for the most part. And and it's so it's interesting to see that kind of progression because to see how quickly he can pick that up. And again, we're only going to get a very very small sliver on this show. Like let's not pretend like we're going to get all the information that they have when when they record this show. But we might be able to get a small glimpse of whether or not this is a Okay, Herbert could take over by week ten, or this is a Herbert should redshirt this year type of a season. So, what do they say? Ten thousand reps before you can do it without thinking, right? Yes. So, you change your golf swing or you change your grip. It's ten thousand reps before you're doing that without consciously thinking about it. Uh, Herbert's more athletic than we give him credit for. We showed that in the Rose Bowl. So, if he started this 
five step, seven step play action footwork from under center in February and did a hundred times a day. He's not at 10,000 reps. If, if I'm adding this up in my head yeah, correctly no, here. For sure. by the time training camp's over with now they've been in the shotgun a bunch the last couple of years. Cause Phillip rivers was getting older. His footwork's not exactly great. Uh, Tyrod Taylor operates better out of the shotgun, but can do both very well. I don't expect, I don't think they're expecting him to play early. So I think he's got a little more time to do this. You know, the kid works his ass off. So he's going to get it. He's going to get that 10,000 reps in pretty soon. Now of those 10,000 reps that he put in, how many of them fit exactly how they want it done? There's five step, seven step drops easy, but seven step drop with two hitches, one hitch. How does it relate to the route tree play action? How much do you roll out? How wide do they want him? All those things that go into footwork from under center is so different than the shotgun. Uh, but you know, the kid's going to work his tail off, but I agree with Jamie. I don't think you're going to see a ton of that. And guys, we're only talking about two preseason games as of now. Yeah. No inner squad scrimmages. You're not going to see the Rams and the chargers who I'm sure we're going to inner squad scrimmage for a couple of days, which is to, you ask any coach in the league, that's more important than preseason games. They get a lot more done. One thing we talked about injuries. I'm jump subject just a little bit here. Guys hate practicing against themselves after a while. And there's going to be no inter-squad scrimmages and only two preseason games. I think coaches might give these guys a little more time off here and there. Um, it's yeah. it's just there's so much weird stuff going on with this one. So hard knocks will be, you know what? You know what's going to be interesting? Talking to my dad about some of the preparations for training camp and the COVID stuff. These guys are all going to be wearing masks, talking yeah. to each other in meetings. Uh, they can't be. They got to be six feet apart in the locker rooms. What are the like? Is are they bringing in like an RV park? Next to the stadium, like all of that stuff's going to be fascinating behind the scenes to see how these other teams handle all this COVID stuff because it's different than anybody's ever done. Like there, there's mandated stuff from the league that you have to do. So these guys, like we've we've seen the footage of like all or nothing, entire Matthew and Patrick Peterson jumping around in the meeting room giving speeches. These guys are going to be six feet apart wearing masks now. When we get that footage, it's, that's going to be uh, I don't know if it's fascinating or going to be just crazy odd to watch, but that'll be. It'd be another interesting aspect. Those masks look I'm, sick too, by the way. I mean, yeah. I, maybe maybe it's a bad pun for that, but what? But you know what I mean. But like those masks are really, <laughs> they look really, really cool. cool. Uh, yeah. They're really cool looking, I should say. Uh, there's there's the the most interesting spar- part of this to me, right? Is you have two quarterbacks, right? And you have Goff, who has become a semi wonder boy, right? Last year took a dip down, highest and you have. Highest paid in the league, right? They had their successful season. You had Sean McVay and all that. But he fits California. He fits LA. His look, his vibe. So does Justin Herbert, okay? So I think it's going to be really interesting to see from a just from strictly from a viewer perspective as we're watching one sunshine to the next sunshine, right? Like which one do people start to fall in love with, start to really wrap their arms around? Because I'm with Jake, I think – from a strictly interest standpoint, who I don't care about either team, my rooting interest is for the Rams to suck and the Chargers to be excellent so that this year in LA, it's mass chaos. Like that's what I, just from an interest standpoint alone, I want the most chaotic version. And so that's what I'm rooting for. And I think this is going to be the first test to like, can Justin Herbert be the anti-Jared Goff in his rookie season and hard knocks? Can they be like exact opposites? And if that happens, 
how does LA wrap their arm? All of a sudden, is there more talk around Herbert? Is it like, I just think that's an interesting aspect of this as well, because like you said, Jake, I can recall nearly probably 10 lines of Jared Goff and how horrible he was in hard knocks. Right. And how just, he, he was just so bad. And so I think there's a, there's an opportunity here for Mr. Herbert to come across much better than Jared Goff did in his rookie year. You go back to my original point. And Anthony Lynn thinks he can win with Tyrod Taylor. And both of them. Now, Tyrod's got some swag. Now, he would fit into this really well. But I think personality-wise, professionalism-wise, him and Anthony Lynn are like, you know what? And the Chargers organization, take our first-round pick quarterback. Let's let's show him in a good light here. And let's let the people that are actually going to play for a while fly under the radar. I think you'll see some of the guys on that defense uh, featured. Derwin James, Ingram, Bosa. Murray, the rookie, I think you'll see a lot of that. I don't know how much offensive stuff you're going to see out of the Chargers. I think they're going to be really smart. Now, when you're on hard knocks, you don't really have a – it's not all or nothing. You don't have a say in what comes across because I'm sure a lot of the stuff that's come out over the years, guys would not want coming out. But I think they're going to do their best to say, okay, here's Herbert on a silver platter. Let's feature him and keep everybody else kind of under wraps. Yeah, that'll it, it's going to be interesting. The only other thing I'm looking forward to is I hope they mic up Aaron Donald so that I can just hear him talk to himself all the time because those are some of my favorite videos of him mic'd up where he's just walking around, just hyping himself up over yeah, just DK literally Metcalf telling is a freak with his shirt off, but Aaron Donald weighs 300 freaking pounds. <laughs> Have you ever seen him with his shirt like the whole like he got a poster of himself flexing? As he should. Like, show me Aaron Donald running bags with his shirt off on Hard Knocks. You're just like, how does how is that possible? That dude. Yeah, if I could, I watch drills of Aaron Donald. Like, let me be very clear. I will just watch Aaron Donald mic'd up, taped for 30 minutes straight of just him running drills. Like, I, I would watch that alone. Take the last five linebacker groups from the combine, running bags, right? And there's some speed in that group, right? And then let Aaron Donald run the same damn drills and tell me he doesn't look exactly the same at 300 pounds. It's nuts. It's actually nuts. He could be another star on the show, personality-wise. Yeah. He's kind of coming into his own of being a superstar, talking about some of that. Jalen Ramsey, by the way, we haven't talked about yet. Oh, yeah. going to be on hard knocks. I think there's a lot more intrigue on the defensive side other than how much Jared Goff's progressed on the offense and that Sean McVay uh, you know, is running the show. And the Rams also have new defense coordinator, new special teams. Like, There's a lot of unknowns we're going to get uncloaked in front of us right there behind the scenes early on. Oh, I can't wait for something to watch that's new and fresh. <laughs> not not an old football game that I've watched uh, a thousand times, which is what's happening uh, right now. Last topic here, a topic that is near and dear to this show's heart because there is a, uh, I don't want to say love hate because there's no love there. Um, there was it's a little love last year. <laughs> I'm sure there was maybe maybe lukewarm love um you know teenage love maybe but Leonard Fournette and whether or not he has the ability to be an RB1 so Jamie in your article that you wrote about him you're showing that he's getting drafted lower than he was last year right which is interesting because his last season he played 15 games right he played, had a pretty good year um, obviously, yeah, yeah, obviously, obviously all the trade conversation has impacted how people view Fournette overall. 
But dare I say, could we get value out of Leonard Fournette this year, Jamie? Maybe a little. Um, I was a little surprised to see him. Like I said, last year he finishes the RB6 in total points, RB9 uh, in average points per game in PPR formats, and he's somehow going lower than he did last season. Uh, he's now going as the RB14 uh, right, right around pick 26 when he was going pick 23 last year. Um, I think that's about right, actually. And I know this this generated some interaction on social media where people that uh, I could tell didn't read the article just would put no in all caps. And uh, my argument isn't that Leonard Fournette uh, is a, a running back one because he's not. The question is, is, can, is he the last player of the top group that you would say, okay, I can live with him being my top running back coming out of the draft, particularly if you went wide receiver, wide receiver to start? That was what the this was this article was exploring, and considering that look, he he still has a long injury history. You know him as we talked about on the show before, like with Odo Beckham Jr. One healthy year doesn't mean oh okay now he's not injury prone anymore. Right? It, does, it doesn't go away like that. But considering the fact that he's going to get a ton of touches, he is this is his last year in Jacksonville one way or the other. So there's not going to be anything of oh we need to save him for something. They're certainly not saving him for the postseason run. So he's going to get plenty of work inside of this offense. And right now, when I look at him, he had major touchdown issues last year that won't repeat this year. Talk about uh, regressing to the mean in a positive sense. Kamara and Leonard Fournette are both guys that have numbers. Their touchdowns per touch are way higher in their career than what we saw last year. That should bounce back for him. And I look right now where he's going in round three, and he's starting to look at some of the running backs around him. And I can't really make a compelling case for me that I would take any of these guys over him right now. And he's going right in the middle of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, and Melvin Gordon. There's some big names there, but Gordon's going to be splitting time. I like Le'Veon Bell, but his upside is still capped at Adam Gase's offense. Todd Gurley, if, you want to talk, if, you, if you're worried about Leonard Fournette getting hurt, you don't come to me about taking Todd Gurley over him. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I love the talent, but as we've talked about on the show before when we talked about Damian Williams a couple episodes back, Everyone has their visions that he's just going to come in and be Kareem Hunt and forgot all of the context that made Kareem Hunt happen. I think he's going to come in and be LaShawn McCoy's Philadelphia Eagles rookie season, which is still damn good, but not the 13th or 14th running back off the board like he's going right now. So I haven't finalized my rankings yet, but I imagine I'm going to have Fournette right around that RB14 range and saying if I go elite wide receivers to start my team, he would be the last guy I'd feel like, okay, I don't have to freak out if he's my RB1. One, I'm definitely not going elite receivers to start my team because there's receiver draft is way too deep. Unless you're picking seven or eight in the first round, then maybe you have to. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to talk myself in one way or the other as I break this down. <laughs> Two years ago, I wanted nothing to do with him. Called him out. He lost 30 pounds. He played 15 games. He led the NFL in touches. He finished number six in total points of running backs. That's pretty impressive. This is last year. I don't think you're going to get the same motivated Leonard Fournette. I think you're going to, he's going to miss some time. They're going to suck. I watched their schedule go across the ticker this morning on Good, Minute, Good Morning Football, and I see maybe three wins. Yeah. And I think they might finish with eight straight losses. It's, it's tough. If that's the case, I don't think he's playing. I think he's got soft tissue injuries again, stuff like that. I mean, I'm, going to go, I'm going to go back to two years ago and call him out as a man, but he's got a history of not playing through – stuff a lot of guys play for and he's going to be a free agent after the season regardless uh early on i could see it being okay i think they're going to try to run the ball but gardner Minshew is a shotgun dude 
that doesn't fit with Leonard Fournette did LSU. It didn't fit what they wanted to do the first four years he was in the league. I don't know. I mean, all of this is telling me, no, he's not RB1. I don't think he touches the numbers last year. I don't think he comes close to leading the NFL in touches this year. Uh, I think he definitely misses some time of his own choosing later on because I think they are going to be god-awful. And they've got weapons. I, I, I think they want to put it in Minshew's hands, fly it around, and suck. But let some of these young guys get experience. This young defense that they drafted, DJ Chark, I think, could have a pretty solid season. He looked really good at times last year. All of that tells me they're going away from Fournette, who's been the feature guy in this offense for the last four years, including last year. But they didn't really have a choice with Minshew just getting tossed in in week one when Foles goes yeah. down. Um, no, I don't think he's an RB1. Okay. The guys that you were just talking about around him, yeah, I would struggle with some of that. I don't, I don't, Melvin Gordon's not going to be just the guy. I'd take Le'Veon Bell over him for sure, uh, just because okay. his catch, his catchability is, is really good. Uh, and Leonard Fournette catches it okay, but it's all screen stuff. You're not splitting yeah. him out. So I don't know. I mean, all that says, I've talked myself into no, he's not an RB1. I might have talked myself into no, I don't want any part of it again, because I just don't see him having the same feature part of this offense. I need so desperately for Jake to be in a position drafting where he's sitting there looking and going, oh, I have to take him here just so I can watch the inevitable shit show that will happen yeah. on this podcast. At the right value, yes. In the third round, no. The third round, no. Oh, I need it bad. All right, guys, we've reached the end of the podcast today. There's just some some highlights, but mostly I'm looking forward to Card Knox, man. Very excited about that. So, Jake, your final thoughts on today's podcast. Usually not my favorite show, by the way. I don't like the way Hard Knox portrays the NFL and the guys that are on it. I think they go way too negative sometimes, most of the time. But we're starving for content, so I guess I'm looking forward to that too. Um, I can't wait till next week to start getting into these rankings. Uh, that, that Jamie's got going on. I mean, this is getting exciting talking about this stuff. Uh, there's going to be uh, there's going to be some sleepers. This quarterback stuff, I can't wait to get into. I, I think seven, eight, nine, ten might be damn near as strong as two, three, four, five. I, I don't know that there's a huge. I can't wait to see where Jamie's got some of these guys ranked to talk about this next week. Jamie, your final thoughts on today's pod. Yeah, I'm going to echo Jake's sentiments. Uh, next week on, on the TDN Fantasy Podcast is quarterback rankings breakdown week. Uh, two, two parters. So you're going to, we're going to break it down to two different shows. Uh, for those of you that are go on to the Draft Network and are TDN premium uh, subscribers, you're going to get even deeper analysis uh, on this show as we're going to break down pretty much every starting quarterback, if not every starting quarterback in the NFL and break down their fantasy value. I, I'm really excited for it because then we can really get the, the debates going. Uh, we'll I'll have some, you know, I'll have stat projections for the guys uh, and for Paige and Jake to look at so we can go, okay, I know this is too high. This is too low. What are you thinking here? So I'm really, really excited kind of deep into these. And we're going to do these for every single position over the next few weeks. You know, we're, we're breaking running backs into a couple different shows, receivers in a couple different shows. We'll do tight ends, kickers, defenses. We're going to have it all in depth and between the show, uh, TDN.com and then the Draft Network Premium. Uh, all of that is going to be your real guide to winning your fantasy football leagues this year, uh, both in written form and audio form. Uh, maybe we'll have some little video things for you as well that might be in the works. So we're, we're going to help you win your league this year a lot of different ways and a little more multifaceted than in years past. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see how inevitably, if you've been listening to the show now over the past few years, 
we have the numbers guy and just I'm watching football guy, Jake, right? So they look at things completely differently. So I love when we do these rankings because you guys agree on a lot, but this is the shows that you usually have some discrepancies. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see where Jake comes in on quarterbacks versus Jamie and then looking back at maybe some of the things that happened last season that we'll have to go back to and, and, and kind of revisit. But mostly I'm very, very excited for all of our premium members to get some unbelievable fantasy content. So it's, it's going to be stuff that we've never had before. So I'm very excited for, for everyone who's a TDN premium member to be able to have access to that. So make sure that next week you're ready to rock because it's, it's going to be coming in and, and Jamie's put a lot of effort and time into all this. So excited to, to break that down. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? I'm going to change my handle to just watch this football guy. Uh, <laughs> I love that. the Arians on Twitter. <laughs> the football guy. I got my no, 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 no backing guy. behind that. No history of it. I just, I'm just a no, dude I just watch want Yeah, I'd say like selling Jake a little short here. Uh. <laughs> no, he's the football guy. I, that's, I call uh, the guys all the time. I'm like the scouts. I got the scouting department and the content department, right? And so I'm always like, Kyle, you're the football guy. And Ben, you're the analytics guy. And they're like, why do you have to just break it down to one word? I'm like, because I don't need to describe you in a hundred words. I was like, you, you might have to go back and re-listen that page. That was just watch this football guy. I'm going to put that on a business card now, maybe a t-shirt. That'll be my t-shirt next week. I'm going to get a t-shirt made before the quarterback rankings. that said, just watch this football guy. I'm going to be the just watch this football girl. That's, that's, that's my title now and forever on, because that's usually, uh, that's usually the response. How much football do you think she watches? That's that's my that's my uh, that's my a lot. Response. I'll answer it for you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, that's the answer to that is an unhealthy amount. Uh, Jamie, how can everybody follow analytics guy on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me at Jamie Eisner at the just looks at numbers guy on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I really I need you, you guys to put these in your bios. It'll be very funny. Um, and you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. Last thing I'm going to mention here is if you didn't see the mask that the Arians Family Foundation is selling right now, uh, you guys should check those out because everybody needs a mask. They're really cool uh, looking. As Jamie talked about, uh, the mask being sick looking. We're going to use different words. So very cool looking, right? And uh, goes to a great cost, the Arians Family Foundation. And then you can match BA. And we all know everyone's trying to live up to BA swag status. So this is the best way you can do that. You can check those out. Arians Family Foundation, if you go to my Twitter account, Jake's Twitter account, you can see the link to buy those as well. Hope you guys have a good rest of your week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.